0: Well, hello, listeners. This is Jim, the Keys bartender, coming to you from Key Largo in the beautiful Florida Keys, the beautiful, warm, and sunny Florida Keys. My apologies to you people that are not feeling uh, like you're walking on sunshine. Yeah, I I know it's rough, but you know I have to mention the weather if I'm. Doing. Hey, I wonder what's the weather's like where Jim is. I just finished washing the car. I did my spin class this morning. I did a, I went to a law office to do some notarizations for a client and uh, then had some other jobs to do for a uh, mortgage closing and then I washed the car. We're going to be talking about being uh, the, the title of the show, Diminishing Returns. When is busy? Too busy? Is it always good to be busy? You know, it's good to have some downtime. So, one of my jobs, and it's more of an avocation, something I really enjoy, I took up spin to do it as an activity in order to get some cardio. I hate running. I mean, I'm six 6'4", uh, 200, oh, I was 230. 40 pounds, 250 pounds. It's just, it's just bad. I and mean, I don't like the, I don't like trotting along. I just feel pounding at my knees and stuff like that. I'm 58 years old. When I started the spinning, it was, was it 47? 48? In order to just, I get motivated when I'm in a group of people and I have to do cardio. And, you know, it's like you're with people and you're doing it. You don't want to, Appears if you're not trying. You know, with <laughs> the first time I did the spinning, it was humbling. I was in really, I, th- I felt I was in good shape. I thought I was in good shape. I was doing a lot of elliptical stuff. And I go to the, uh, whenever you're doing an exercise, it works different muscle groups in your body in subtle ways that you don't even notice. And so I learned movement once it becomes habitual is easier so when i first started doing it, i was going to class uh there's some movement where you get on this it's a stationary bike how hard can it be right but i want to try pretty pretty decent and and the first time you go you you learn about the adjustment knobs on how they increase resistance and things like that and there's some movements and one of them is coming out of the seat and standing up and pedaling And what happens is a lot of people, if you don't have your balance, if you're not used to it, they'll make the resistance really light. And when you come out of the, when you're not used to it, when you come out of the seat, you're leaning on your hands, on the handlebars. And actually in spin, you're not supposed to lean on your hands. You're supposed to put most of the weight on the pedals. The hands are there to keep you from uh, face planting. If you, you know, slip out or you fold, you know, whatever you're exerting yourself, if you whatever could happen. So I'd be leaning on my hands, my shoulders, my hands, everything would be, they would hurt. It would hurt. And then, I mean, I could handle the exertion. My body just couldn't handle the movements where it was when I would go into a climbing position, which it, um, where you're leaning over the handlebars i it took me a little while at least 12 weeks really to get adept at being able to do things like stand up balance over the pedals and work out at the same time so eventually along the line to make a long story short i became an instructor when the instructor who taught me most of those things was leaving she said why don't you become an instructor and i became an instructor And in the beginning, I had to learn things over again. I had to learn how to do things the correct way instead of the things that were working for me. So I had to go by the book, by the book where they instruct you, where, where I got my instruction from for certification. And I started that. Now, with this spin, they use music as a motivational device. And use the beat and all that stuff. Now, a lot of times, at different places, I don't want to say, but I pick I pick music that I liked or I thought that would work. But I didn't really understand the concept of rhythm. I know it's stereotypical. I'm a 58 year old white guy. I don't I don't have rhythm. Well, after years nine years of doing this. A couple years back, like three after six years of doing it, I started getting rhythm. If you ever seen the movie The Jerk with Steve Martin, he's he was uh, adopted by a black family, a poor black family, and he just never had rhythm until he right before he left to go out on his own, he got rhythm. It just came to him one day, and it came to me about six years ago and I started realizing, listening to music and I hear the bass line. I hear the bass line, I hear the beat. I really, I, I don't know how to describe it. I just really never paid attention enough or let it sink in and think about those things and think of the un- underlying sounds or how they intertwined. So in the beginning, I had atrocious music. Atrocious. Things that I thought would Uh, work because they motivated me when I worked out when I was lifting weights and things like that but it's not the same thing you got to be rhythmic when you're pedaling and all that stuff so over the years I had music I I started out with uh, pre set up classes where I had these certain songs back the back the back the back and there'd be different exercises in them And I got the concept like that. But then I realized that there were some playlists that I used that I used more often than others and some I never used because they weren't, frankly, they weren't very good. And some of the ones I had that were good, weren't all good. So after trying that for about four or five years, I decided to break up all my playlist, get new music and break it into different types of exercises. So when I'm doing my class... I pick the song on the fly. So every class I do, if I have 200 songs and I play 13 songs per class, or uh, 13 pieces of music to, per class, with all those combinations, it's a possibility that I rarely play the same list or same playlist twice. I could, and I probably did, but rarely do I play play it more than three or four times. And I, it, it adds, I guess, newness to it and things like that. But after a while, there's some music when you consider, I know I'm a keys bartender here, I'm talking about exercise. Well, bear with it, guys. You know, it's not that hard a concept to think about. There's some music, there's pop music, current music, and you think, is it good now or will it be good five years from now, 10 years from now? We all know the music out there. This Rick Astley song, Never Gonna Give You Up. That's a horrible song. A horrible song. Because it's just, I don't, I mean, peop, some people like it. But it just, it doesn't work for working out. But it, years later, it's still kind of popular because of how bad it is. And there's other songs you don't remember. And they're just, they weren't very good songs. They were just good at the time. Remember the Hansons? The three brothers that sang Umbop That song played all over for the same time. And thank God that be- hasn't come popular again. They'll probably play on a uh, late 90s, early uh, 2000s playlist, right? So here I am. I'm doing my class today. And there's always doubt in your skill in whatever field you're in. If you're a normal human, you're always either you're supreme, supremely confident and I may give off the air as being supremely confident. But there's always a nagging down in the back of my mind, and I'm speaking for myself now, that I'm not really cutting it. I'm picking music that people won't like. And people say, oh, I really like your music today. And blah, 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 blah. I like this. And I try to mix it up. I play some current music, some oldies, some, every song, some little rap. I don't play a lot of country there's, I have, do, do have some country tunes in there, people that are ca- category, categorized as country, but that's pretty much the thing, and I try to mix it up, and I, as I said, I have over 200, maybe 300 songs where I pick from, and their songs are rotating in and out, so I had songs for years. And in my playlist, and I'm why am I keeping that here? Does anybody ever like it? And you know what? Maybe I'm using, I'm, it's keeping, and this is the doubts I have. Maybe it's keeping the, I don't get many young people to come into my class. And then all of a sudden, today I got, a, uh, there was this young woman in the class. There were two younger women. And younger women to me is like 30s or 20s. Or So I get these one. There's one in her 20s, one in her 30s. And I, I mentioned music and I said, listen, my music is either, you know, I, I get it from Spotify. And I said, if you know any music that you think that would be appropriate for the spin class, please mention it to me, especially something new. Or something you like and you don't hear at often. So the girl comes up, one of the younger women, and she comes and says, listen. And she starts mentioning songs I used to have my play on playlist and they took it off. I took it off thinking that no one really likes it. And I know there's only one person. But then I remember, there it is. It isn't just me. It's someone else, and it's someone very different from me. I'm sure our likes and dislikes do not always line up, but the music was pretty interesting. She said she liked the Smiths, and she liked Nelly Furtado, and... God. Who else? God. The one that has a... The hats, the big hats. You know I'm talking about? Lady Gaga and Britney. Okay, she named only women, though, except the Smiths. So it was nice to get that affirmation every so often. Kind of relieved the doubts. And it was a small thing. It's like, oh, I liked your music. Did you ever think of playing this song? And I said, I used to have that song, but I didn't think anybody really liked it. No one actually pointedly came up and said, oh, you're like that song. So that was a nice thing. I had, um, and you find confirmation of whatever you're doing in the rarest unlooked for spots. And mine was someone coming up that normally doesn't take my class, mentioned something about music. And it really kind of uplifted my day, even though it was going pretty good then. So, I did my all my other stuff, and today it would appear as if I'm busy, but I did have an hour that I could just kick back. And I did. And then I got another call, and uh, I went and did that. And I'm thinking, how busy do I want to be? Well, if I'm just laying down and taking a nap in the middle of the day, then obviously I have a little more free time. And at night, if I'm up in the middle, then last night I didn't sleep that well, and that's hence I take my little nap in the beginning of the day. But what I'm going to be talking about right now is restaurants, bars, and directly applicable to bars, restaurants, and any place where you deal with the public. Being busy. We're in the height of, uh, you know, we're cranking out our busy season, and it's been pretty busy as it was anyway. We really didn't have a slow period here. At least we didn't feel it. You know, some September, October, and then it picked up in November, December. And when we experience, when we get a certain amount of numbers and, and restaurants have a, uh, un- it's not necessarily unique because re- I'm sure stores are like that. Uh, supermarkets are busy at five to six, you know, when people are going home, and they're stopping to get that and early in the morning. Uh, But a restaurant really uh, gets busy. You get lunchtime, 12 to 1, 1 to 2. And then you have dinner. And for us, that starts around a quarter of 7 till 8.30. A narrow window when you consider you're almost open for like 10 and a half, 11 hours. And... In that hour and 45 minutes, you can have an uptick of like 200%, double double the numbers. Now, the more people you have, it's, it's good, right? You say, hey, Jim, the more people you have, the better, right? You got more people ordering, more money coming in, more revenue. Yes. But, how, how much do you handle the, the pressure of putting that out? How does the kitchen handle that? How are the expectations of the people that are handling the, uh, the, putting out the food in the kitchen? And the more tickets you see, the more th- things you see getting behind you, it's not really helping you, it's not really motivating you. I mean, I see my guy in the kitchen, our chef, and he's just kicking. He has tickets. There's only like two or three people in there. Right at the height of the dinner. We only have two or three people. And then one guy handling the fryer. Another guy's doing the griddle. Another's doing working on pans. You know, like doing pan saute and things like that. Another one on the grill. Well, I see. there's, you know, the guy that's handling the pans, is the same guy that's handling the grill. And then you have a griddle. A um, There's a lot of things going on. A lot of things. And people are sitting at the table and they don't know. They say, Well, we got 14 people coming in. And they don't realize there's only three people in the kitchen. And you're not the only 14 people in there, there's another 100 people out there. And you know that time when you asked for certain things and you said, I'm going to, well, right at the height. You not only have regular orders and easy orders and things like that, you might have, you also have, uh, let's say 10% of your orders are special orders where someone comes in and modifies something. and want something changed. So they have to be, pay particular attention to things. Like when I'm making drinks, 90%, 95% of the time, someone orders rum and coke. They say, oh, okay, rum and coke. And they go, rum and coke, no lime, no ice. Rum and coke, double tall. No lime. Light ice. Not a big deal. Pina colada, no pineapple. And then I'd have to go, hold it there, hold it on a second. I can make it. I can do it. But are they suggesting me to take out one of the main ingredients of pina colada, making it the pineapple, makes it pina. I did get an order like that one time. Pina, which means pineapple. Pineapple. Do you want? I can do it with a coconut and let's say it makes another juice. I use a Coca Lopez and orange juice. Is that what they want? Because someone just saying, I don't want this. There's particular. They want a grilled fish, let's say. someone I'm going to go to the cook thing. Someone wants a grilled fish. And there's some thin fillets, some like yellowtails, a thin fillet. And it's a light, flake, uh, white, flaky fish. Now, you can grill it, but it gets tough sometimes because it's thin and it falls apart. You put it on the grill. you got to be careful because when it's cooked, it just falls apart. you got to be, you know, it's better to bake something like that. But people have all sorts of things. I remember the first time you hear people say, I want to get a chocolate cake, but I can't have it with flour. What are you going to use instead? It's almost like one of those biblical things from the Old Testament. When the pharaoh asked the Hebrew slaves to say, Hey, listen, one of the things as punishment we're going to do is that you're going to have to make bricks without straw. And straws were integral in in the making of bricks at the time, I guess, because that's in the story. I get you get skinny margaritas, things like that. They want to drink a margarita, but they don't want any sour mix in it. They don't want. It. They just want a little lime juice, uh, a, some club soda, tequila, and triple sec, and no sweetener in there. Unless you have something like, I guess you could put that uh, sweet and low in there or something like that. I've never done that. I leave it to the people to see what they want to do because it's a skinny margarita a lot of times that is just a sour margarita. We do get the requests, and when those requests come in and it's firing, especially requests when you're when you are busy, they really hold up the thing. So we talk about how. Everything starts backing up and the orders start backing up. And now this is where delivery of service starts to fail. You have all the ingredients for a successful business at this time. You have the guest, You have the workers. You have the orders. But when it's really busy, those things don't come out. People make mistakes. The mistakes cascade down. If you take one meal... To the wrong table. And the person starts eating it. Then that meal has to be remade for the person that was supposed to go. And that backs up everything. So this guy has to go off the tickets. Go here and start doing something else again. See, and then people get frustrated. They say, "How come? why is this taking so long? Every Friday night when I go out at 7.30. It always seems to be so busy here or other places. And people just don't want to make that logical connection that, oh, it must be busy because everyone wants to uh, w- wants to eat at 7.30 or a lion share of people wants to eat at 7.30 and they make the connection. So if I'm sitting there and I go, well, it's going to be very busy, 7.30, if you go out on Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day, yeah, very busy night. And it's a lot of... Two tops, so you don't even get the the efficiency saving grouping of getting like groups of six or eight or anything like that. You have two and two and two and two and two, and and you're back and forth, and you they got drinks and uh, Valentine's Day is a a lot of times it's an amateur night, meaning people that normally don't eat out go and eat out. So you yeah, have everyone in there. And the people that are out all the time, they don't, like, they don't necessarily like going out on those big holiday nights. We don't see... A lot of times our regulars don't come out on this uh, Valentine's Day, uh, Christmas Eve, which isn't that as big as you think it would be. So you got all this juxtaposition, all these things coming in, the crowd, the orders... Everything's slowing down. It seems like you're not being as efficient. You got mistakes multiplying and pushing back orders. And then in the end, especially when it comes to tipped employees and things like that, you get people to get angry and dissatisfied. And they're the ones that are paying your check. And many a times, let's say we have 200 covers in one night. 200 covers means 200 people ordering meals. That's a lot for a small place. Um, If if it's... The bulk of that is in a small window of time, it could get backed up. It could take a long time. You could have a couple mistakes. They could multiply. And then with dissatisfying... The lower tips. Many times on the busiest nights, we don't see a like return. So if you... Sometimes with only 120 covers 100, you know 110 100, 100 covers we may make as much as 200 that's a bold statement I understand but people are happier at the time but what are you going to do you got to make hay when the sun shines because we always have in the back of our head hey. we got another month and a half and still lingering from years ago when the Our busy season used to be from Valentine's Day to Easter, or a little to Mother's Day. Now it's really widened up. It's six, seven months. It really doesn't slow down much in the the summer months. We have very busy weekends, decent weeknights. So we don't see that anymore, but we still feel it. And we feel we have to do it. At certain times, when I've been worked at places where it gotten so busy and says, you got to stop seating tables. Now, when they have someone with a host and they see things are getting backed up, they won't take anybody coming in because you're doing a disservice to the people that are already there. It's like going on a date. Not one person, let's say if I'm. You, you're going on a date and you're going to meet a nice girl and she, there's triplets and you take all the triplets out. Well, how much attention you're going to spend it the, the, each of the triplets, three of them, three triplets? Oh, I mean, that's yeah, of course. But you're, you're you're going to divide your time and each one's going to feel as if wow, I don't really get well. They if they're triplets and they go on a date together, they better expect one third. The attention, unless they go out with another set of triplets or the guy that's super handsy, if you know what I mean. That was creepy. I'm sorry about that. But needless to say, law of diminishing returns. I've done that before, and I dated three girls at one time. Not on the same night. I did meet two girls on the same night, but I took a girl out for a drink when she went to the bathroom. She, uh, Another girl came by, gave me her, talked to her, gave me her number. Decided to take her, and that was casual. The first girl, before you call me a, a dirt bag, and I don't do those things now, obviously, huh? But this is years ago, thirty-something years ago. The, and the girl, and it, it just turned out the the other girl spent long times in the bathroom, and the other one, and I could have gotten caught right then. But I'll tell you, each of those relationships were failures. I don't. I I think they were failures due to me dividing my attention. I don't know how these guys do it that have and guys or women that have two families. You've heard stories before when you have two families. There was actually a famous classic movie called the. uh, I think it's amazing mr Pennypacker, maybe or something like that the guy had uh, a family in new york and philadelphia and he traveled in between the two i guess he was a traveling salesman and stuff like that and he had two fo- and you you have those stories you can just go and google it how in the hell i mean you got to be some industri industrious son of a bitch to raise two families And in this, I I don't know if that was the name of the movie, but I remember this movie. It was made in the 50s and stuff like that. And I had two families. I know, in the 1950s. And it was kind of a family picture, but they they don't think about it. He he committed uh, polygamy. Right? Kind of creepy. A lot of things you couldn't do in the 50s, but I guess in this case, you know, having two families wasn't one of them. But he was pretty good at both. I can't imagine. A lot, most people aren't good at raising one family, let alone having two. And how the hell can you have two good, really great relationships? That would be some story, you know what I mean? And say, "Hey, listen, I have I'm in a relationship with these multiple women or men, if you're, you know, depending on who you are." But let's say women, and you say, "Oh, yeah, how are each in relation?" Oh, uh, they're both really good. No, no, because well, if you're married. The first one isn't good because you already, why are you married? Because you got another one. Um, and, and I know there's all exceptions. That people can say, well, my my, my wife is uh, in a home and she doesn't recognize me anymore, but I care for her. Uh, yeah, that's different. That's a special circumstance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I understand that. But usually when you divide your attention too much, you end up losing effectiveness in all of it, in all of it. And recently, I've been thinking that by myself. And I say, hey, am I being a good bartender and running a notary company? A small notary company, granted, answering the phone, trying to schedule that around where I can do all the stuff, and people say, "Well, Jim, isn't notary just signing and stamping stuff?" Here, here, let me do the, th- make the sound. Yeah, that's stamp. No, there's, there's certain things you have to do. You got to understand where you're gonna, what things have to be notarized, what signatures have to be made. Especially in a state like Florida, you got people visiting from all over the country, and every state has different laws. It's a little, little different. It's not that difficult, but I also do weddings because notaries can do weddings. And once again, I remind you, if one of my regulars come down here and want to have me officiate, I can officiate a wedding as long as you get your license from the county and everyone else, or from the state. Uh, everyone else has to go through it where whoever you get to officiate, you have to get your, you know, you have to get your uh, marriage license from the uh, state and. The officiant solemnizes it. Sol- solemnization is called. But that's a ceremony. So I do that. Loan signings, big loan packages. Which I don't get involved with the loan thing. I just tell them what sections they are. What is this for? What's the patriarch form for? All this stuff. And then the Podcast. And be a family man and all that stuff, and they said, "Jim, well, how can you do this? How can, how, what do you do, how can you do? How can you be good at any of them when you're trying to do those things? It's not. There's people that did more. I'm not a Leonardo da Vinci, Renaissance man. It's a, a small thing, but I usually put an emphasis on the things that I don't spend a lot of time on. The podcasting, well, I do spend." I spend a decent amount of time, maybe 20 hours a week, writing it. Doesn't seem like it does it. Thanks a lot for saying that. No, I hope it seems like it. I think about it, what I'm going to do. I don't spend a lot of time marketing it, which that's my, I got to do step by step. Maybe I'm going to have to go and take some, I'm going to have to do something to move that ahead, to move it to its next level. We are getting, and this year has been great. And I'm right right there on the cusp. You guys are doing it. I'm still looking at the 1 million, 10 million downloads I want to get. And you can make it happen. I do appreciate it. Keep on those doing those downloads. Uh, I was always wondering that maybe that When I get a a whole bunch of downloads from some people, it's people just getting into podcasting and they don't really understand. They download the whole library, which is great. I appreciate it. There's downloading and streaming and stuff like that. And I want to become really good at it. I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to do this every day. I want to be able to bring people in. I want to be able to have a producer to be able to do this as their job. And they could probably... I mean, imagine there's not too far off where they could produce the show remotely. All I have to do is have my mic, my headphone, whatever device I'm listening to, whatever group chat, and have a side one. Probably I can text my producer to be able to. Hey, now's the time for going. I got to go to. I got to go. I got to go and take a piss. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say I've got to go and take a piss, but I'm going to text, i got to take a piss. Oh, my stomach's acting up. We're going to have to roll to commercial. I don't think I'm going to roll to commercial. I'll just have someone here and say, hey, listen, you do your song and dance for a couple minutes. Daddy ate a bad tamale. No, that's that's probably not what I'm doing. I'm a little getting off the handle. But I do, I'd like to focus on things. I think what my my particular thing with me is that... I need to be engaged in several things or the one thing I get bored with. And the one thing I haven't gotten bored with in all these years and doing it so much and even picking up the pace for it was podcasting and spinning because that's exercise. There's a lot of effort. I do enjoy bartending. Once you conquer the mixology part, which took me years and I still don't have it. But I'm not that, I'm, I'm not one of those guys that have to say, you got to do it this way. You, there's things you should do, like you should never scoop ice with a glass. If you learn anything from me today, never scoop ice with a glass from a glass bin. Um, but I enjoy the interactions I get as a bartender. And some people value it. They view bartending as a, you know, legitimate skill. Other people look at it and say, Oh, you're a bartender. You know? Or you're or you're a notary. Or you're a podcaster. You're a spin instructor. Can you do can you be a doctor? I mean, my hat's off to those people. They get they're stuck in their jobs, that's their main job. They're doing it sixty hours a week, making tons of money. But oh my God, the desperation of the same thing day in and day out to expect it kind of, the monotony. I'm shaking my head right now. I'm just saying, I couldn't imagine doing the same thing every day. And they say, no, you don't do the same thing every day. Every patient's different. Every every defendant's different. If you're a lawyer or an accountant, every... Every client's different if your accountant, if your or business is different. Like the Trump organization. They're different, aren't they? They're under investigation and their accounting uh, their accounting just decide the accounting company decided they're not going to stand behind his financial statements. They're very excited right now too. That they're probably not, they're not probably bored with their job. Or a diplomat in the Ukraine. They're not bored with their job right now. But that's terror. We're talking about being engaged and fun. And that's why I like to do the things I do. I, I feed off, I get maybe the podcasting, I feed off the bartending. And I take the things from the bartending and I try to use it here. And use it as a recipe for life. Or the material for the show would it be sober you know what I mean I mentioned I mentioned to people every so often people say what do you like to drink and I tell them and if they ask them, I said, no I don't, I don't drink and they go why didn't you drink I said, oh I had a problem that's all and if they ask more questions I'm happy to tell them I said do you really want to know I don't want to ruin your night because some people some people really don't want to hear it which I understand I wouldn't want to hear it if I was on your side. <laughs> well, that's it for tonight or today. I'll be back. I think I'll be back tomorrow, Sunday. I think we're going to an alligator farm. They don't farm alligators. I don't know why they call them alligator farms. Not like something to grow. They do grow there, but you don't. You just feed them. But we're gonna. I think we're gonna go to the alligator farm and probably do one of those fan boat rides. am gonna feel. I'm gonna feel like one of those. Everglade hillbillies they got there, you know, with the kind of the backwoods moonshine and uh, cannabis farm. Well, that's it. I'd like to thank you for listening. Please keep those downloads up. If you have any questions, please send your emails to jim at keysbartender.com. Have a great weekend. I'll probably be back tomorrow, I think. Talk to you later. Bye.